This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. How much do you know about personal finance? Things like KiwiSaver or getting a home loan? If the answer is, hmm, I don't actually know that much, then check out this next program, Finance Made Easy. It's a podcast series based on workshops held at Plains FM that explore everything from debt consolidation to buying your first home. Elise Vine is a financial advisor from Building on Basics who loves to chat about personal finance. This episode explores getting a home loan. Hi, my name's Elise Vine. I'm a financial advisor with Building on Basics, which is my company. Um, this workshop is being run in conjunction with Plains FM and with uh, Ministry of Social Development, who have provided us with some funding to run the Finance Made Easy series. So, welcome. Today's topic is about getting a loan. And getting a loan, it could be for, um, for a home, most typically, or it could be for vehicles or other, other activities where you need money for doing stuff. So before we get started, let's talk about um, the, the usual disclaimer and under, so that you can understand the, the scope of what we're talking about today. So the information given during this workshop is for information and education purposes only and is not specific advice. My name is Elise Vine and I'm a financial advisor. My company, Building on Basics Limited, and I are registered on the Financial Services Provider Register. To find out other important information about me and Building on Basics, go to our website, www.buildingonbasics.co.nz, and look at important info. This explains the services I pr- provide and how I am paid, along with other important information like our complaints process and our privacy policy. I go through that little disclaimer at the start each time because it's all about uh, am I qualified to talk to you and is the advice that I'm giving you here specific to you and if you use some of the things that I talk about and um, you're using it specifically for um, getting a loan right now, you could put yourself into potentially financial harm if you haven't Got, if I haven't given, if you've answered a question, that actually I don't have enough information to be able to give you the full answer. So if if I don't have full information about your situation and I answer a question, I'm answering it from a gen- general perspective. So uh, if you say um, I earn fifty thousand dollars and I want to, can I get a loan? Well, the answer is possibly. What are your expenses? What are your outgoings? And what is the, is are you on a? Do you need the money short term, long term? Do you have securities? There's a lot more questions that I need to answer before I can give you a specific piece of advice. Okay, so reasons to get a loan. Why do we need to use other people's money? Because a loan is effectively using other people's money. We may get a loan for buying a house. For renovating the house, we might need a new car. We might need to repair our car. We might have debts from when we've purchased a something on higher purchase for a new fridge, new TV, a washing machine. There are lots of reasons why we might get a loan. What's better than getting a loan? Saving and paying for 
paying for it through cash. Okay, With cash you can get a whole bunch of discounts and uh, often you can get bargains um, and discounts further on sales if you're paying cash up front. Using other people's money allows us to, or getting a loan, allows us to get things faster than um, it takes us to save. Okay, So we will use other people's money to help us get ahead or get the things that we want. Should you get a loan? Just because you can get lending does not mean to say that you should get the lending. And often, especially when we talk about the millennials, they want everything now. In fact, they want everything yesterday. And there's also other Gen Ys, Gen Zs, and I always get them confused as to which one's which, that uh, they want things without actually having to, to work for them. So for some people getting the flash car rather than getting a car that is economic and is going to get them from A to B and to meet their needs, they'd rather get a new car and get huge amount of debt because they want that flash car now. Okay? That could actually set them back and prevent them from getting the home or something else that they want in the future. So every time we get a loan, there are consequences to us in terms of it reduces our options moving forward potentially. Okay. So we can get a loan. We decide we want a loan. We've got a good reason to get a loan rather than saving up to you and using cash. So what sort of loan or credit do we want? So a loan being a form of credit. So quick credit. That's something that you would use. Um, it's just like a consumable. So it could be uh, food, like your groceries. It could be um, entertainment, going to the movies. It could be your takeaways. A credit facility like a credit card is something that is very, very short-term debt. So typically we're talking about 30 days or less. Okay, So a credit card, if you're using a credit card properly, can give you up to 50 days free interest-free use of the money. Okay, and we talked about this when we were talking about managing debt, the ways that in the managing debt podcast uh, about the advantages of having a credit card. We also talked about the disadvantages of having a credit card if you're a spender. So quick credit is also things like buy now, pay later. So buy now, pay later is something like Afterpay, ZipPay, uh, and those those facilities. A credit card might be a bank credit card, or it could be a second tier lender like Gem Visa or QCard. Okay, a bank credit card is typically has an interest rate of nine point nine percent up to sixteen percent whereas the GEM visas are 25.9% or higher. Okay, So credit cards, very short-term debt, very short-term loan. To get those sorts of credit facilities, you deal directly with the bank or with the lender online. Okay. Personal loans. A personal loan is something that we're going to talk more about in, in a minute, and a personal loan is typically between three to seven years is the term of the loan. Term being from the time you draw down the money to the time it's fully paid. So that's what we mean by term. Okay. 
Mortgages. A mortgage is a big loan and is used uh, is used to buy a home or property. Okay, a mortgage is the legal legal document or instrument that is put against the property title and I registered on the property title to say that a bank has an interest in that property and that you owe that money is owed on that property and this and the particular bank that has that debt is the interested party okay a top up loan is an addition to the mortgage okay so it's additional lending that you that you've got for um, that you might get to uh, replace the single glaze windows in the house with double glaze so or to replace the carpet or to do some maintenance on the property if you haven't saved money for doing it or it might be things that you use your house as security to um, get additional lending to go on holiday or to get a car but it's cheaper to, to use your house to do this than it is to just get a personal loan okay you might get a top-up loan on top of your personal loan if you got a top-up loan to get the new car or a, a different car and then the washing machine broke down and you needed a little bit extra money so you might top up your personal loan if you don't have a mortgage or a house to secure it against. It's not always possible to use your house as security for a top-up loan but we'll talk more about that in, in a minute. So, how do you get loans? Do we talk directly to the bank or do we use an advisor? If we go to the, if we go to the bank directly, the bank will only know about the bank's products and the bank will only be able to lend based on their specific rules. If you use a mortgage advisor or a financial advisor that specialises in lending, then like me at Building on Basics, if you are using an advisor, we know about all the different banks and we know about all the different lending products that the different lenders have. And we know which bank is going to best suit you. So if you're a spender, you don't want to have credit facilities and you don't want to have a revolving credit. If you're a, um, a spender, you want to make sure that you keep your savings separate and you can't keep redrawing on the debt that you have. Okay. If you were with a, a bank that does not have a offset facility, then you're not making the best use of your money and paying your loans off faster. And if they offer you the revolving credit where you can pay your loans off faster, they're putting you potentially into a continuous debt cycle because you will never pay the money off because, oh, there's a bit of spare capacity in my, in my revolving facility and you'll just keep spending. Okay? But if I go to a bank that doesn't have those offset facilities because they're my bank, I've banked with them for years, I don't know any different, then that bank is potentially going to set them up in a way where it's going to cost them more over the long run. So we know about the lenders, we have access to different products. Sometimes when you're doing things, you need a very different product. 
It might be that you're doing, um, you've had a credit event, um, like COVID caused you to lose your job and you um, were not able to meet your payments and you got behind and you've got some judgments against you. And a judgment being that um, you've missed some payments and somebody's forced you to make a settlement or to, to pay a loan back. If you have those credit blips, then some banks will not give you lending until the, that blip has been corrected on your credit record. Sometimes that can take between three and five years to happen. So do you want to wait three or five years for that to happen? No. We want to do what we want to do now. So there are other lenders out there that can provide you that service, uh, and it may come at a slightly different cost, but if it allows you to do what you need to do and get you into your home now, then it may be advantageous for you. Working with an advisor gives you a whole lot of extra education and makes sure you have the ability to understand. They've got a good point of contact that you have easy access to to be able to answer your questions and make sure that you understand. If English is your second language, then you are classified as what we call a vulnerable client. Because the language is a stumbling block, we need to make sure, first of all, that you understand what we're saying in English, but also that it translates to something that you understand. And sometimes the words that we use from a financial perspective, they don't make any trans easy translation for you. So we need to make sure that you really understand what it is that you're doing, what you're signing up for. Okay. We can even work with translators to help you to make sure that you're Understand, have a good understanding of what we're doing and what you're doing. It can save you time because sometimes we need to go to multiple parties. We try not to, but sometimes we need to go to multiple parties to get the answer that we want for you. So if you had to do that each time you went to a lender, then that would be double the time to fill out their forms and to do what we need to do. Whereas you can give us the information once and then we can go to all the different people as required to do that. An advisor is an advocate for you. So you don't know what you don't know. So how do you know what you can ask for and what you can get help with? So as an advisor, we can advocate for you and to make sure that you get the best deal. We must follow the lender's rules. So we're also being an advocate for the bank to bring them business, okay? But your advocate to make sure that you get what you want. So we can push back on the banks, but we must follow the bank's rules as to, to make sure we're doing what, what is right for the banks. Okay? We also have to follow any rules, uh, any legislation from, the, from about eight different bits of law, from EFSLA to the Fair Trading Act to the Triple CFA, Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act. There's lots of different bits of legislation and law that we need to follow. So, do your preparation. Let's talk about really getting a loan now. So, you need to do your preparation. Be prepared to talk to your advisor or the bank. And these are the things that you're going to need to do. Know what it is that you uh, want. What, what it, know what it is that you want. Know how much you want. Okay, and if you come to me and say you want a million dollars, then that's fine. That's a good want. 
as long as we've got a good reason for spending that million dollars. Okay. The next questions I'm going to be asking is, do you want the million dollars now or later? And what can we afford? Okay. So it's fine to have wants. Then we need to want, match those wants up with what is actually practical for you and what you can actually afford. Okay. So have a spending, spending plan and know your expenses. If you don't know what your expenses and what your spending plan is, then we can help you to work that out. Take a look at the, or take, have a listen to our spending plan podcast on Plains FM to help you um, get an understanding of what that might mean. So that when you go to talk to your advisor or your bank, that you've got an idea of what sort of questions they're going to ask. Have regular savings. So if you're living paycheck to paycheck, that's very difficult for you to do. But if we're going to be going to a bank and asking for money, or a lender to ask for money, they're going to want to make sure you can pay it back. So they want to make sure that you have some surplus. So they want to see you having some sort of savings. Run your credit check to check that you've got, any, um, that you've got good account conduct and good account behaviour and that there's no issues that the banks are going to have. And if you listen to our debt consolidation uh, podcast, then you can actually figure out, uh, we talk to you about how to run your own credit report and how to understand your credit report. KiwiSaver, if we're looking to, do, uh, to buy our home, then we need a deposit for the home. So KiwiSaver is a great way of saving for our deposit. And if we belong to KiwiSaver for three years, we can use our KiwiSaver for our deposit. You want to find out more about KiwiSaver? Listen to our KiwiSaver podcast on Plains FM. Okay. There's a reason why getting a loan was the last pod, is the last podcast in the Finance Made Easy series. It's because we need to do all this preparation beforehand to be able to actually get the loan. Okay. So what must a lender do? If you're going to the bank and you're asking them for money, what must they do? They must follow a whole bunch of legislation. But some of the key ones that are, and meet all the Reserve Bank of New Zealand requirement rules. But some of the key things that are in the media at the moment and are important right now are being controlled by the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act or by the Reserve Bank monetary policies. Okay. As part of the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act, the Triple CFA, as the people in the, in the business like to call it, they have to meet the responsible lending code and any code of conduct standards. What that means is, in the most simple form, is that if they give you the money, you need to be able to afford to make the payments to pay it back without putting you into hardship. Our code of conduct states that if we're dealing with somebody, that we need to treat them respectfully, fairly, and provide the advice in a timely manner. We must provide advice that is fit for purpose. So if English is a second language and you don't understand what we're talking, then how can we be sure that we're providing advice that is fit for purpose? Okay. 
we need to make sure that when we're asking you the questions to say, do you have any lending? Do you have any expenses? <clears throat> do you do your own property? We need to make sure that you can understand what it is that we're asking to make sure that when you give us the information back, that we've got all the information that we need to make a responsible decision and to provide you fit for purpose advice. Okay. So these are all controlled by the Responsible Lending Code and, and Code of Conduct Standards. If we're looking at if you're looking at personal loans, then you need to the triple CFA means that we need to follow the rules for around high cost loans. So the interest rates must be reasonable and there's a limit on fees. Okay? That's when you're working with lenders in that, that short term debt space. If we're talking about long term lending, there's a whole extra lot of rules that need to be obeyed based on the Reserve Bank monetary policies. So that is not only do we need to make sure that you can afford to pay the loan back, but the amount of the debt that we can provide you is based on the limits from the government lending. So we're going to talk about loan to value ratios and there's some limits as a homeowner how much debt that you can have. Okay. There's also debt servicing ratios that we need to meet. And as the interest rates and inflation starts to kick back in, which we're starting to see the interest rates really go up again uh, rather rapidly now after enjoying a long period of low, low, low interest rates, what we're seeing now is that some of the banks are saying um, that you can only borrow a certain amount based on the income that you've got. So even if you've got plenty of equity, you might be limited on the income servicing side. It depends on which bank you go to and which lenders you work with. So personal loans, I mentioned this before. Typically the loan terms are between three and seven years. Interest rates are typically dependent on the client's credit rating. Interest rates for personal loans typically range at the moment in today's market in November 2021 from around about 7% up to 18, 19, 20%. If you go to a GEM visa, they can even go as high as 25%. A personal loan is typically unsecured. However, if you've got a car that's less than five years old or is in good condition or is a classic, then you may be able to use your car as security. Okay? They can use your car as security because the car can be identified by its registration and its VIN. Okay? You must have insurance on the vehicle. Here's a common mistake. People go and get a personal loan to go and get a car or get vehicle finance. Um, they don't take out insurance on the, um, on the vehicle. They take out insurance to make on the loan, but they don't take out insurance on the vehicle. They're in an accident, uh, or they only take out third-party insurance, which covers the other people's vehicle in an accident. Their car is written off. They have no car but they still have the loan. Typical purpose for a personal loan is to combine multiple credit card debts into a single loan or multiple small loans into a single loan. If you owe multiple people, uh, it might be even utility companies and credit cards, could be a whole bunch of debts that you've got that you combine into, uh, into a single um, loan. 
furniture, appliances, car loans, you might have, there might be several reasons that you've taken out, out the lending. It can all be con contained into one. Sometimes that's of a, an advantage and sometimes it's not. If you've only got six months to go on one particular loan and the interest rate is higher, it might be better to carry, pay, paying that one, carry on paying that one off because if you've got it paid off in six months, it's going to be cheaper than extending out the term of that six, same six-month portion of debt into the three or seven years to fit the rest of what you've got going on. So it's a complicated scenario to go through managing your debt and figuring out what to do. How do we go about getting a personal loan? Well, we'll talk about that when we go through the home loan process, and I'll talk about the differences on that in a minute. So home loans can be as short as five years, can be as long as 30 years. And in the media, they're now starting to talk about having 40-year loans. Okay, Why would you want to have a loan that goes on for 40 years? The reasons why we want a loan to go on for 40 years is because if we're trying to buy in the Auckland market, based on our income, we can't afford the payments in a 30-year term period. So for affordability to allow us to do that, what's the problem with extending the loan out to 40 years? If we're 30 and we take out a loan for 40 years, we'll be 70 when we're finished paying for it. So for some people who are not going to be working that long or not able to carry on their jobs, it's going to be an impossibility for them to be able to have that sort of loan. So there's a lot of factors that people are looking at and talking about. If you're still paying your mortgage off till, till you turn 40, are you also able to save enough for your retirement as well? Okay, So there's lots, lots of things that the, um, the government and the politicians and all those financial wizards out there that are that looking at these, these opportunities are trying to figure out. They want people to be in their homes. They want them to save for retirement. They want you to have a financial future and to be financially secure. Interest rates range. So there's lots of different types of loans and we're not going to have time to talk about all of those tonight. There are floating rate loans where they're on a figure that the um, bank can adjust at any time they like. They could even change it five times in the space of a month, up or down. Okay, So when it's floating, the interest rate can move up or down. At the moment, the interest rates for floating have been anywhere between 3.8 up to 4.8. Okay, it depends on where you're getting that money from. At a floating, if you've got a floating rate loan, you can pay anything off that loan without any penalty. Okay, if you have a fixed loan, so we talk about the term of the loan being mortgage term being 15 to, to 30 years or 5 to 30 years. That's the term of the mortgage and want, when they want you to have it all paid off. We can then fix our loan into chunks for, uh, or for shorter periods, anywhere between 6 months and 5 years. If we fix our loan for one year, we were, uh, at one point this year, able to fix it for 2.19%. Today, the rate for um, one of the banks I'm dealing with is 3.34%. Okay? The interest rates are going up as, as the OCR goes up, the official cash rate. 
With fixed loans, it now depends on the bank's policy as to whether you can increase your payments or make lump sum payments off your loan. If you pay too much, then you could be charged an early repayment fee. That sounds strange, doesn't it? The bank wants you to pay the money back. But if you put extra in at the wrong time on a fixed loan, you could, be, uh, could incur penalties. Okay? This is why choosing the right bank based on when you might be getting money um, or what your cash flow situation is, if you get extra bits of overtime that might help you to pay something off, this is why it's really important for us to know your income and your spending habits. Okay? Some banks allow you to do a fi up to 5% payment once a year. Some banks allow you to increase your repayments on a payment basis up to 20% without any penalties. Some banks you can save money by just putting money in another bank account and it doesn't matter how much you have in there. A home loan is uh, secured against the property or the land. Okay? The, the security goes on the land title and the building is just a... a, a a side side effect in terms of as, as the security. If there's a building on land, then that typically adds value to the property. Not all buildings add value to a property. A property that is as is, where is, and needs to be demolished is not adding value to the land. It's actually dropping the value of that property because the demolition and the removal needs to be taken care of. Typically, Typical purpose is to put, of a home loan is to purchase a property, but it can be used to access funds for renovations or for other purchases. You could use your home as security to uh, raise the deposit for buying an investment property. You could use your home as security to upgrade or get a, a, a car or another car. You could use it for um, getting some finance for um, going on a holiday. Typically holidays in New Zealand aren't that expensive, but you could do. Um, it depends on what sort of holiday you're after, I suppose. Uh, you could get um, use your home as security for doing renovations or house maintenance. So it might be the exterior paint, could be uh, building another sleep out at the back, it could be extending out, it could be putting in a new kitchen, it could be an upgrade to a bathroom, it could be repairing the rot in the in the floor in the bathroom floor. Here's some of the rules that come into play based on the reserve bank rules. So the monetary policy. If a bank is getting money from the reserve bank to help fund fund them to give out money, then the banks have lim what we call lending limits, okay? Speed, lending speed limits, we like to call them. And they, uh, they're determined by the loan-to-value ratios, okay? So a loan-to-value ratio is the amount of debt divided by the value of the property, Okay? And that gives you a ratio. So we call it LVR, and it's talked about as a percentage value. 
So loan-to-value ratio, but it's done as a percentage. It always amuses me. Okay, if you are a homeowner and an owner-occupier, and you're a first home buyer, you can borrow up to 95%. And that's got some pretty um, big rules in there um, around what certain other conditions that you need to meet to actually be able to buy borrow up to 95%. Many of the banks will lend up to 90%, but they only have a small portion of funds available for people to borrow up to 90%. And again, you must be a first home buyer. As an existing homeowner that is moving into another home, like the upgrading, the, the now got, you've now got three kids, the existing home doesn't work for you and you need another house, or you've needed to move to a different area because of work and you've decided to get yourself a little bit more space, or that house costs you some more, then the banks will typically lend between 80 and 85%. They don't like to go up to 90%. Okay, The, the, the high LVR lending is typically for helping first home buyers into their property. First home buyers are the ones that are most at risk, and yet they get given the riskiest products. Okay, Owner-occupiers typically... 80% is the maximum you want to go up to, otherwise you get a um, low equity margins or f low equity fees or a an increase in the interest rate and you don't have access to the special rates. Okay. Again, first home buyers, typically if they're borrowing over 80% to actually get into the property, they now cannot access the special rates. Okay. For first home buyers that have bought recently and the property market has moved up so quickly, that has enabled them to actually access the special rates very quickly because their properties have uh, increased in value so much that they're now under the 80%, even if they bought the property at a 90% LVR. And that can happen within the space of six months and has happened for many people in a short space of time. Investors. Because the government wanted to pull the number of investors out of the market that were speculating and buying properties, the loan-to-value ratio is now 60% for investment properties. There are some lenders out there that are the non-bank lenders, like Bluestone and Resimac and uh, Pepper Money, that will allow us to borrow up to 80% on an investment property. But there are special conditions that apply. Okay. Just because we can doesn't mean to say we should. Okay. Well, we've talked about how much we could borrow from an equity or a security perspective. But what we haven't talked about is whether the bank's actually going to give you the money anyway. Not only do the banks look at the value of the property and what the property is worth and the condition of the property that they're using as a security, the person that is making the payments is just as big a risk to them. And so they look at you quite thoroughly. So they check to see what your character is. Do you pay your bills on time? Do you pay, pay your bills, full stop? Or do you have a debt collection chasing you? Okay. Do you operate your accounts within the limit? Or do you have payments that bounce and get, um, you know, 
or you got overdrawn. They want to know that if they lend you the money that you're going to make your mortgage payments on time, every time. They don't want to chase you. Okay. Do you have any judgments or orders for payment? So if you had a, uh, a spark bill, you moved addresses, you cancelled and closed your account and spark didn't close the account properly and they don't and you don't get the final bill because they're still posting it not giving it to you electronically and you haven't made that final payment you didn't know you owed the money but suddenly you've got a judgment or an order for payment on your credit record okay this is one of the reasons why we talk about doing your credit checks to make sure there's nothing out there that you don't know about have you been declared bankrupt or had a no asset procedure um, situation. Just because you have been bankrupt doesn't mean to say that you can't get lending. Once you're out of bankruptcy and you're allowed to get lending, then there are lenders that will look at you day one after you're out of bankruptcy. There are a lot of people in New Zealand that were forced into bankruptcy when the Christchurch quakes hit. No fault of their own. There was a natural disaster. They lost access to their businesses and um, they couldn't actually operate or they lost their jobs because the business was shut down because the business disappeared. Okay, With COVID, there are a number of businesses that are being forced into those same hardships and a lot of businesses that are closing. So people will have no asset procedures or bankruptcy for no fault of their own. Okay, People end up in with bankruptcy or no asset procedures when a relationship splits. And if it doesn't go smoothly then somebody and somebody misbehaves then you can often find yourselves in those situations if a house has been forced to be sold when it's upside down like when you owe more money than than the property is worth then that can cause these sorts of situations so just because something's happened and again this is why a working with an advisor is great because we can advocate on your behalf. We can work through and provide the evidence to the banks and the lenders that you've got your, your situation sorted and whatever happened wasn't a fault of yours or if it was a fault of yours that you've now had the corrective education and training to make sure it doesn't happen again. Okay, Working with Building on Basics, we've got a no judgment philosophy. Stuff happens, let's just work with it. Okay. So let's say we've got good character. Then, and we know that the property we're looking to buy, we've worked out how much we could potentially borrow from a security perspective. Here comes the biggest and the hardest hurdle to pass, income servicing. So this is when the bank puts you under even more of a microscope. They want to know how much do you earn? Is that earning regular? Do you earn that regularly? Is that job and that income secure? Especially with COVID. So if you're in the hospitality business, they're wanting to know what your backup is and how strong the business is that you're working for and working with. If you're self-employed, they want to know even more information. They want to know at least your last two years worth of financial statements. And they want to see an improvement and they want to know that the business has potential in the future and there's nothing that's coming in the horizon that you can see that could reduce your income or cause damage to your business. Okay. 
If you receive allowances, bonuses and regular overtime, different banks have different policies about how they look at it. Some banks don't care about it, some banks will allow you to use it. It's about choosing the right bank for your income type to make sure that we can service what's coming through. Do you receive rent or board? Now this is fantastic. If you're an investor and you're wanting to be a professional investor and earn all your income from your rent and your investment property portfolio, the kiss of death from the banks is to say that you're rent reliant. Well, hang on a minute, that's your whole business and that's what we want to be because we're property investors and we're wanting to earn our income off our property portfolio. So when you go to buy another property, if you don't have another job or another source of income, the banks may say that you're rent reliant and they may not lend you the money. It's, yeah, it's something that we all scratch our head over. Um, it's like they don't see property investing as a business. If you work with the um, business banking team, then we can often get past those, those hurdles. So do you receive rent or board? If you have a three-bedroom home and you're renting out your home on a room-by-room um, room basis, you may get more rent for the property. But the bank may say that even though you might be getting $1,200 a week for the rent from the property because you're renting it out room by room and providing um, Sky and a few other features or Netflix these days, then um, the bank might say, but it's only a three-bedroom house. And a three-bedroom house in that particular area only rents for $700. So even though you're getting $1,200 and you've got rental agreements showing that you're getting $1,200 for it, they will only take $700 for that income. Okay, And then they will take 75 or 80% of that. And there's a chance that the banks are going to take even less of that rental money, depending on when you bought the property due to the recent tax changes. The banks are still trying to figure out how they're going to cope with the income servicing based on the, the changes to the tax laws in March this year. So the banks will look at where you're spending your money and what you're spending your money on. And I'm going to talk more about expenses in a minute. The bank will do an assessment. They'll check your income against your expenses and they'll want to see what your uncommitted monthly income is. So how much money do you get in regularly on a monthly basis? And how much are you regularly spending from a must-spend perspective and from a discretionary spend perspective? The banks are having some uh, limits on the debt levels as well based on your income. So two of the banks are saying that uh, around about six times your income is the maximum debt that you're allowed to have. Okay. There's a lot of information we're going through here and a lot of things that the banks want to, to ask you. And working with an advisor will take you through that step by step. Expenses. So since the triple uh, CFA changes came through, the banks are asking more and more questions and they're wanting to uh, be, what they're wanting the expenses to be verified. The banks also use benchmark costs for a household. 
So if you have a great vegetable garden, if you don't eat out and you uh, cook a lot at home and you take your lunches to work, if you uh, bike everywhere or walk and don't take public transport and don't have a vehicle, if you spend time playing family board games and you read books from the library and you don't spend much on entertainment going out to the movies, out to pubs, on takeaways and that sort of thing, then your household expenses on a monthly basis may be very low. Well, we're going to need to show three months of those low expenses regularly for the banks to potentially believe us. And I work with a lot of clients that do all of those things that I've just talked about. And the bank says that their monthly expenses are one and a half, if not two times, what this household is actually spending. So we have to work within the bank's rules. The bank has the responsible lending code if they lend you the money. They only get one chance to assess you. If you can't keep up that frugal household living lifestyle, they are worried that they have, are going to put you into hardship. So they take an overcautious approach. Okay. We need to verify your regular outgoings. Rates, insurance, property insurance, life insurance, health insurance, medical costs, going to the doctor. Do you have regular scripts? Um, do you have uh, a non-essential um, cost? Although for some people, Disney is an essential childcare cost because it's the way that we um, do the entertainment for the children so we can get on and do stuff. Spotify, Netflix, Neon, gym memberships. Do you do regular donations or regular tithing to church or to organisations? Uh, loan repayments. They're looking at what you're needing to service, buy now, pay later, credit cards, personal loans, any other debts that you may have. Have you borrowed money from friends or somebody else that you're paying on a regular basis? Groceries and entertainment. What they're looking at there is your takeaway coffees, your, um, your lunchtime eating habits, your um, Takeaways at night, how much are you spending at the greengrocer, at the food markets and that sort of thing. They're looking at what's on your bank statement. They're also looking at your bank statement and if they're seeing um, ATM withdrawals for cash, they're going to want to know what that cash withdrawal is being used for. Is it going to regularly pay for um, a loan? Is it going to some other habit? Um, is it vehicle uh, going for vehicle expenses or transport? Are you using it for your bus money? Okay, They want to know about those sorts of things. As a mortgage advisor or financial advisor that specialises in lending, we see everybody's bank statements. And it feels like a very invasive thing when we're looking at your bank statements. And this is why I reiterate, it's no judgement. It's your life. They're your choices. You spend your money the way you want. It's got nothing to do with us. As long as you're doing it consciously and your spending habits are allowing you to get what you want, we don't care. 
But one of the fun things that we see on bank statements is when a flatmate transfers money into another flatmate's account and they can put silly little notes on there. So um, money for drugs or drugs money or naughty things like that. So the bank is going to know that's not what it's actually for, but it's that somebody's having a, a bit of fun with their with their flatmate. But it's, um, we do see what's on those bank statements and see what's going through. And it brings a little bit of light to our day when we're looking at them and we see those sorts of comments. Okay, um, Is the money that you're spending essential? Like you must pay it, like you must pay your rates, you must pay your taxes, you must pay your mortgages, you must meet your, your loan commitments. If you've got your insurances, you must keep your insurances in place. Not must, but it's ideal to. Okay, Then what's discretionary lending? So a certain amount of food and groceries is essential and a must. We have to eat. And those are the sort of benchmark figures that the banks are using to pump up some of the things that you might have in there. One of the banks is looking at um, regular outgoings at the moment of savings and they're saying, well, um, they're probably going to want to keep doing that when they're doing it. So they're treating the savings as an expense. The savings might have been um, money that you were setting aside over and above your rent that uh, you're going to use to pay mortgage. And when that stops, then you might be reducing that amount of savings and then a portion of it might be going to your holiday fund or whatever. But they're treating it as an expense, which makes for some very interesting discussions um, as an advisor to the banks. Okay, so we've talked about all the information they, that, um, the, that the banks want. They collect it all through various documents. We need identification to meet the AML or anti-money laundering rules and it needs to be photo ID. So something with your face, your, your name, your date of birth, uh, that sort of thing. So typically the banks allow passports and um, firearms licenses, driver's licenses are the, the most common photo IDs. But also, if you've got a foreign passport, they'll need to see your um, visa to see what sort of um, visa you're on. If you're wanting personal lending, then um, you can get personal lending on a temporary visa as long as the loan is paid back before your temporary visa expires. Okay. Um, they want payslips, the last three payslips. So if you get paid monthly, they want the last three months payslips. If you get paid weekly, they want the last three weeks payslips. They want any rental agreements. If you're getting any rental income, they want to see the rental agreements to see that the, the tenancy is in place. If there's no rental agreement, they'll want a rental assessment to see what sort of rent that you're getting, rather than you just making up numbers and um, so on. If you're self-employed, they want the last two years' worth of financial statements. And they give you between uh, three to five months, um, depending on what's happening in the market and what sort of business you're in, to get your financial statements done. Uh, otherwise, your lending is, they won't hand over the money until you've got your financial statements uh, up, completed and filed with the IRD. And then they will finish the confirmation once they've seen the proof of income that we've said that you, that you get. Insurance policy schedules. For your um, property, they'll want to see 
a, a, an insurance offer to say that, the, that it's going to be fully replaced uh, and uh, they want to see the value of that insurance that, that, that you've been offered. They'll want to potentially look at the rates uh, and, and any other property information, rates, insurance, EQC, so Earthquake Commission, scope of works for works that, um, when, uh, for any claims. They want to see that the works has been completed and uh, uh, any construction contracts and potentially valuations. They'll want a proof of deposit. So if the if you're buying something for seven hundred thousand, they want to make and you can get lending of five hundred thousand. They want to make sure you've got the other two hundred thousand to complete the transaction. They're not going to give you the five hundred thousand if you don't have the two hundred thousand. Proof of KiwiSaver if you're using KiwiSaver as a deposit. They like people to be in KiwiSaver because they um, as you're paying into your KiwiSaver then if you need to extend the term of the loan past 65, then you've got some source of income that may be able to help continue to pay the loan past 65. They'll need student loan statements. They'll need statements for any debt that you have. Any loans, credit, facilities or anything like that, they want to see six months worth of behaviour. So six months worth of statements. For any of your transactions, we want they want to see the last three months. Last three months for savings, etc. There are other documents that we need to get, and um, but your advisor will take you through that as you go through the process. So, home loan process, what do you do? Let's see if you're eligible for the first home grant. Go to the Kainga Aura and do the application. So on one of the Plains FM podcasts under the Finance Made Easy series, we had the conversation and the process for doing the first home grants. One thing about a first home grant is it's free money if you're a first home buyer and you qualify for the income, meet the income servicing criteria. One of the other caps that are... Um, one of the other criteria is that you can only purchase property up to a certain value in a certain area. Okay, So if you're buying a property over that property cap, then you won't be eligible for the first home grant. All that means is there's no free money for you to do what you what you to add to your deposit. Okay? It doesn't mean to say that you can't buy a house without the first home grant. It just means that you need to save more to be able to do it. Don't buy a cheaper house just so you get the free money if it doesn't meet your needs. Okay, because that could cost you more money in the long run. Gather information to be able to complete a fact, fact find. Download statement information and use the tools like um, like Elion, which is a new tool that's being used by, um, by the banks and by mortgage advisors, which allows you to log into your banking system and then it downloads all the statements and all the information that sends us directly to you just select which accounts you want the statements for and the information for and it sends us to it to us directly it saves you doing a whole lot of hard work okay otherwise you have to log in download download package all up and email it through to us the advisor or a bank will do the assessment based on all the information you've given, complete with all your expenses and everything else. 
And the fact find does all the information about you, who you are, what your income is, what your plans are, what you're looking to do and achieve, why you need the money. The advisor will complete the application, they'll send it through to the bank, the bank will do an assessment and they may come back with a conditional approval. Okay? It's very rare that they come back clean skin, which means no conditions. Normally there's just one more thing that they'll want. Okay? Maybe because the time has passed between the time you put the application in and the time you've actually um, purchased the property. Or it might just be that they need a tax form completed. Um, you go shopping for your new home or your investment property. When you find the property, you go through the due diligence process that we talked about in the podcast on buying a home. Um, again, check the Plains FM buying a home podcast. Sounds like we're doing ads. Um, confirm, confirm the property. So make, once you're happy with the property that it meets all our due diligence criteria, then um, you'll work with your lawyer to confirm going ahead and then we'll confirm the loan structure as soon as we as assuming that the bank has approved that particular property for it. Then you'll sign the documents and then you'll move in and have the housewarming and big celebrations. If it's a top-up loan, then we do most of those things apart from um, go and find the property because we've already found the property. But we still need to confirm the loan structure and we still need to sign documents. Sometimes we can sign the documents electronically. Sometimes we have to go into a branch. Whenever you do a new loan with a new security, then you will always do the, um, the loan through uh, requiring a lawyer because the lawyer needs to register the mortgage on the title of the property. So, getting a loan. We have skimmed the surface of getting a loan and we're out of time for doing much more. There's a lot more to talk about in terms of loans, loan structures and the finer details of what we talk about and how the banks do their assessments and calculations. But yeah, thank you very much for coming. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this. It'll be up on the Plains FM website. Um, Check out the other podcasts on the Finance Made Easy series on Plains FM. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Elise Vine, financial advisor from Building on Basics. Finance Made Easy is a podcast series about personal finance made with funding from the Ministry of Social Development. Podcasts are available on the Plains FM website, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you.